it's a daemon, but it's actually running an ESXi kernel of it's back is, devil back. <laughs> really cool wizard magic. So, I need an old priest and a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. It needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect. You nailed it. You can't bend physics, but you can do is write better software. And you're doing MPLS changes or BDP changes. May, may God be with you, right? I, I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a nested six-node Nissan. Oh, uh, guys. People you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to the table when they absolutely do. Everybody should. Anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff, it just hasn't earned it. Okay, I lied. I have one more question. On demand. Correct. Welcome to GigaCast episode 25 for Sunday, January 6th. Live to the interwebs from the GigaCast headquarters, I'm Britton Johnson. And broadcasting live from my home lab, I'm Tony Reeves. We're live for the first time, Britton. What do you think? We're trying this out. We'll see what happens. Hopefully it doesn't crash my machine. <laughs> um... And yeah, hopefully my bandwidth holds out and everything else is good. So yeah, it's all good. Welcome so to January. Um, we had, I just, we, Tony and I just posted a year in review episode. A whole bunch of people downloaded that. So hopefully that was entertaining and enjoyable. And hope some of you who haven't been listening forever or gotten a chance to catch up. Um, we had uh, a whole lot of guests on in 2018 and it was a good time had by all, hopefully. So, um, anything new happened since we last talked last week, Tony? Um, I don't think so. It was a nice short week at work, and yeah, straight into the weekend. Here we are. Cool. So, um, quick shout out to Mr. Tim Davis. He figured out how to start up the Apple Watch V Fit Challenge thing. I don't mm -hmm. really know what it's actually called. Um, yeah, we did that last year too. Did he? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't think I don't think he started it. Uh, Ariel Sanchez started it on the Fitbit side of things, and then right. somebody else said, "Hey, we need something like this on the Apple Watch side." And I remember I was in it, and Tim's team kicked our team's butt. I do remember that. Yeah. So I had I started a GigaCast team. I joined it, and you can't see it behind me, but I just bought myself a dedicated spin bike for the basement. So nice. I'm I'm working I've, my way back to health slowly. I've, I've got a new trainer, a Wahoo Kicker trainer behind me. I'm yeah. doing that as well. I so, do not have an Apple Watch any longer, though, so I sold that. But So and, and so with you and, you know, one of our guests in here, my brother, I'm going to officially announce uh -oh. I'm going to do the Trek 100 with you guys this year. Yes! <laughs> and I see somebody's stunned reaction in the background. <laughs> well, I guess, Heath, if you want to unmute at this point, you can. Yeah, it would be a good moment. <laughs> wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked right now. <laughs> Your Why? face said it all. <laughs> You're the one that got know, me the bike. I know. I'm the one who started all this. <laughs> you did. Now I've lapped you like six times. Eight years ago, you started you're this all. Back. Wow. Yeah. I remember one of those first in. training rides that he, uh -huh. you and I did, Heath, and yeah, I had like done one MS bike ride already, and I was just I was in the best shape of my life, and you were just done dead after like halfway. Yes, <laughs> three miles in, I'm pushing my bike up the hill. Yeah, 
<laughs> so yeah. so yeah so my goal this year is to get my sorry butt back into shape and you know i bought a, a dedicated spin bike because my exercise bike that i did have broke and i don't have a really nice road bike like you guys so i didn't want to buy like a trainer thing we'll work on that yeah you'll you'll need one to keep i know up. i'm gonna have to upgrade that i'm where i'm i'm working on that but this was this is the first part is getting back into the routine of riding again and getting my butt trained to sit on a seat for a long period of time again yeah so but i know that cool. I, I i need to have that external goal of an event to train for and that helps a lot yeah. and that's the thing that'll get me to where i need to be but you know awesome thing at a time well now we can like push motivate you or harass you for the next six months and keep you going well, I've already got two rides in, and I uh, I watched part of a spin class on my iPad. Holy mm-hmm. crap, those things are crazy. Like, I've, I've never actually seen a real spin class in my life. And, man, those those, those trainer chicks that do the, the the actual spin class things, man, I don't even know. How, they're, just, they're nuts. That's just all there is to it. They're nuts. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, cool. Let's introduce our other guest waiting in the wings, Kevin T-Bear. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Okay. So before we get into Cloud Foundation stuff, um, I wanted to talk about some career stuff because, Heath, you posted a blog post for the first time in, like, how long? When, what was the last one you did? That was, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at the, uh, website here. It was last year. It says it was June, June of last year. So six months. It's not bad. Oh yeah. That's the one I wrote for, uh, doing the Trek 100 where Tony oh. and I nice raised a pile of money. So that was, that was a fun, that's a fun blog post. Got some good pics of us in the, um, and where can people get to your blog? I'm at flyingvirtually.com. So, yeah, I just posted one the other day. Um, I haven't broadcasted out because I think I'm going to put a few more disclaimers in there yet. But uh, by the time this uh, recording goes out, it'll be fair game. Um, yeah. So, while I try to look at the stream here... Give me a synopsis of what this post was about. So I've had a lot of discussions with uh, people within the V community and people just even in the the local community because I'm involved in the VMUG here a lot. And um, people are always interested in, you know, leveling up their career, taking it to the next level, becoming a better sysadmin or or, uh, gaining more responsibilities at their employer. And so... There, you know, a question comes up a lot. How do how does somebody do that? Um, they look up to me because uh, I've been pretty successful, I guess, at uh, at doing that. I've gotten myself into VMware, which I still pinch myself every day. Um, uh, I set that as a personal goal myself, and so this blog that I wrote uh, was kind of my story of how I set working for VMware as a goal. And how I achieved it, the steps I took, you know, I had to create a plan and the steps I took on how I got there. Um, 
and I won't go through every detail because you know, people go out and read all the, the dirty details in the blog post, but uh, it was uh, definitely an adventure and a lot of work um, to get to where I am now. And then at the same time, well, the one thing I didn't cover in the blog post was networking. And I think I'll probably write about that later. Um, it was definitely my group of peers and friends that uh, helped me get into where I am today. Uh, and then at the same time, I've shifted jobs internally within VMware. And uh, that was directly, I wasn't even looking for a different job within VMware at the time. And a friend of Kevin and I's reached out to me directly and said, hey, do you want to come join my team um, without me even looking? And uh, so networking is a major portion in leveling up or getting into uh, different spots within your career. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's just been, it, it, I've noticed just in the last six, seven months, um, there's been a lot of, you see a lot of these things on on LinkedIn and wherever, like, you know, so-and-so got a new job. And it seems like, you know, there's just kind of like every, every few months, there's a wave of people that move from place to place. And it's always interesting to see where some people go. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are changing from, you know, mainly customer space over to the vendor space, partner space, and lots of things happening. And VMware seems to be hiring like crazy lately. VMware is always hiring in some aspect. Based upon what you see on Twitter, it does seem as though uh, we are a landing target a lot of the time. Or maybe it's just who I follow. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> who you follow. <laughs> Cool. So should we do a little bit of a round table and have our guests introduce themselves, what they do currently? Yeah. So that's probably a good thing. I mean, Heath, you, you're a returning guest, so I felt like you kind of need no introduction, but why don't you give us the quick synopsis of who you are and why you're here and what you do? Right. So most of your listeners already know that you and I are brothers. Um, Hopefully we have been, that, but you know, our entire lives. It's kind of amazing that way. Yeah, um, yeah, funny how that works. And so I've uh, I've been in IT for a while. Um, I guess I could go back a little bit. I used to actually be a professional auto mechanic. I used to be ASC certified um, and work in a Chrysler dealership and then worked into a factory job, actually got into an office job and started, uh, they, they gave me a job at a company that used to make post-it notes of all things. And... Um, once I got into the office, they made me a estimator to make uh, estimates on custom post-it note job. And I actually wrote a piece of software that eliminated my own job. And that was kind of my jumping into uh, IT career. Um, nothing better than actually eliminating yourself from your own company. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to, uh, to jump into IT. Uh, from there, worked my way up through various different companies from writing software to uh, systems administration. Um, and then spent uh, the biggest chunk of my career was at a local um, major academic medical center. And I built a VMware environment from there in that environment from the ground up. And then, uh, and then at that point in my career, that's where I decided I want to go work for VMware. And that, um, took about a year and a half of uh, work to 
um, take myself up to the next level and get into the skill set that was necessary to to become an employee at VMware for the path that I took. And so then I ended up being a joining VMware as a TAM and I was a TAM for two years at VMware. And then um, within the last year, about a year ago now, I uh, joined the integrated systems business unit at VMware where we are responsible for uh, technical marketing and we do technical marketing for the VMware Cloud Foundation and VMware Validated Designs products specifically. Cool. Cool. All right. Tony, why don't you ask Kevin a couple of questions? I have a kid that's on the loose, so I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. So, Kevin, what do you do at VMware? And tell us a little bit about yourself. So, similar to Heath, I also work in the integrated systems business unit as a tech marketing architect. Uh, however, I've been at VMware for about four and a half years. Uh, previous to that, I was in as a technical product manager, again, for integrated systems business unit. And previous to that, uh, I was in a pre-sales technical role uh, for VMware. Uh, before joining VMware, I spent time at uh, two different managed service providers, three different managed service providers, uh, leading out uh, the building of all their uh, managed service provider products, uh, basically building an ROI around something and then uh, bringing it from um, an idea to uh, deploying it training, uh, knowledge transfer, and then moving on to the next one. So cool. that's a, a brief history, we'll say. And you you work a little bit more on the implementation side than Heath does, correct? <laughs> my, my white gloves are off. <laughs> so uh, as, as a product comes to fruition, right, uh, you have limited skill set that's able to uh, go out into the field to uh, assist with the deployment. Uh, with Cloud Foundation, uh, you know, we are a fairly small business unit when you compare uh, us to something like uh, the storage and availability business unit or the NSBU or for NSX, right? Uh, so we're a fairly small business unit at the end of the day, or as we started over the last 18 months, uh, 24 months or so since we uh, officially launched or officially shipped uh, Cloud Foundation. So uh, with that, you always have a all hands on deck or jack of all trades mentality uh, that sure. you need to uh, come out with. Uh, I fulfilled you know, some of those duties uh, where, where the need uh, was required. Uh, it's kind of kind of interesting. You you join the integrated systems business unit and you get to see the world. Uh, it didn't start that way. That's just the way it turned out. So cool. Yeah, I followed some of your travels on Twitter. Looks like you've been some interesting places: Sydney, Scotland, all over the place. So yeah, Sydney, Ireland, uh, not Scotland, unfortunately. Mm. I'd love to go, but I I I, I do not uh, do not need to travel anymore. Cool. So, Britton, you're back. I am back. I'm still trying to... I, I, I screwed up the live stream, so I was just trying to look and see what I did. I I started it somehow, but I don't know how I did that before, and now I can't get it to start again. Okay. Well, while you're figuring that out, I will take the first question here. Go ahead. So, so for those of us that are unfamiliar, what is VMware Clown Foundation? Either one of you or both of you can tag team this one. 
what is Cloud Foundation? Is, mm -hmm. that, the, is that the appropriate question? Yes. For the uninitiated, yes. For the uninitiated. So uh, with the Integrated Systems Business Unit, we essentially have two products. One is the VMware Validated Design, and the other one is Cloud Foundation or VMware Cloud Foundation. Uh, VMware Cloud Foundation is the automated deployment of your VMware Validated Design. Uh, very easy way to stand up your infrastructure, uh, deal with the ads, moves, changes, and also do the lifecycle management or integration of uh, additional products such as, you know, the VRealize suite. And when you say automated, is that automated using PowerCLI or custom code? How are you guys doing that? That is uh, automated through our web front end. Uh, so we are a consumer at the end of the day of uh, other business units products as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we uh, provide a um, this single pane of glass uh, for oh, being able to get your buzz that term. Get, get your buzzword bingo cards out <laughs> early. <laughs> totally. <laughs> nice. But uh, we we take the single pane of glass from uh, STDC Manager and uh, branch out into each one of the products. So STDC Manager is your landing place every day. Uh, being able to jump into any vCenter deployed uh, through the use of STDC Manager or Cloud Foundation. Uh, the other component of that is that uh, we deploy VRA, for example, uh, using VRS LCM. But instead of manager, correct. Instead of having to ha have the end user know how to do that, uh, deploy VRS LCM and then go deploy VRA, uh, they're basically just presented a UI uh, of all the prereqs that they need to complete. Uh, they enter some information. Hit next, 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 and go ahead. Goes ahead and deploys that. Whether it's a, a new workload domain with a vCenter and NSX or NSXT, uh, or if it's a VRA, for example, uh, able to do all of those uh, through SDDC Manager. Now, is this something that is easily stood up within an existing vCenter vSphere environment, or is it something that if you were looking at VCF that you would want to maybe set up a separate dedicated stack for this? So today it's only greenfield, uh, meaning that you need to have a minimum of four hosts uh, to be able to deploy a what we call a management workload domain. Okay. And what are there some of the base vSphere requirements? Uh, basically, you're looking at uh, four vSAN ready nodes uh, for that management uh, workload domain. Um, you know, whatever the sizing that uh, you feel as though is accurate uh, for that. But basically, you're looking at 256 gigs of RAM per box, um, an AF-6 configuration uh, for your management workload domain is probably a, a safe place to start, for example. And for those that aren't familiar with that, that's all flash. That's one of the configuration sizings on the configuration the sizing guide for vSAN, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. And hybrid uh, six node or uh, HY-6, the hybrid version of that is also acceptable. Uh, just because your uh, management workload domain uh, is where all of your management components get deployed. So you'll have a little bit more storage requirements uh, in that workload domain than maybe a workload domain that you would deploy for a, a VDI use case, for example. That's cool. I didn't realize you could do 
uh, all flash or hybrid. That's cool. So you've got that flexibility there. That's cool. Um, Britain, how are you looking? So is it working? Yeah, no, I have the, the stream is dead. I don't know. I don't have to. We'll, we'll try again next time. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened. It actually said live stream starts in 19 minutes. The last yeah. I looked at it, Brent. I yeah, I'm worry <laughs> about it right now because it's just. I, I think I know what I did. I just don't know how I started it the first time. Oh well, beta testing. That's what happens. <laughs> Testing production, right? Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. So that's kind of the generic process to stand it up. I'm, I'm a little interested, a little bit more granular detail of like a, a, B, C, D, like to get Cloud Foundation running in an environment, like you know, because like to stand up NSX, you have to deploy an OVA, you have to configure the NSX manager and connect it to vCenter and do all this other stuff. So what is sort of the bullet points of running through that setup? So we start out with, you have to provide a config file. And so we provide a uh, tool called Cloud Builder. When you go download the bits for VMware Cloud Foundation, you download an OVA for a product we call Cloud Builder. And Cloud Builder is an appliance and it's an OVA that you deploy. You uh, get that installed and stood up somewhere in, within a virtualization environment. So that could be your existing ESXi host, or it could be Fusion or Workstation you could deploy this to to actually deploy Cloud Foundation with. Um, once you get that appliance stood up, you go to the web page for that, and it says, I need a configuration file for how you want to deploy Cloud Foundation. And so it gives you a link to download this uh, like an empty or uh, configuration file. And it's an ex Microsoft Excel file that you can go in and enter in your information for DNS, NTP. What do you want to name the ESXi host? What do you want to name the vCenter server? Uh, enter the license uh, keys and all the different settings you would have to use for uh, standing up the base infrastructure for Cloud Foundation is set in this Excel file. From there, we are able to ingest this Excel file and convert it into a JSON file with the appliance. Okay. And then within the Cloud Builder appliance, you uh, apply the through the web page uh, that comes with the Cloud Builder appliance. You give it the JSON file and it begins building and takes the four hosts that you gave it for building um, that base uh, management workload domain. Uh, it starts building uh, vSAN and then installing the PSCs, the platform services controllers, the vCenter, um, creates the vSAN cluster and creates all the different configuration settings to create that management workload domain where we then in also install um, the SDDC manager that automates all the components. So Cloud Builder is kind of the starting point for how all this gets configured and built from the ground up. Okay. It, it, you had mentioned it at one point in the past. I don't know. I assume this is public knowledge by now, but you had, had mentioned, I think, that uh, VCF can now be deployed without vSAN. Correct. We can deploy a specific type of workload domain. So we always have to start with a vSAN management cluster 
Okay. Always. So we'll always have vSAN to build that management workload domain. And that's going to house, you know, that's kind of been VMware's best practice for a long time to have the vCenter, the PSCs, uh, NSX controllers and managers, any of those different components that actually run your VMware infrastructure, build a cluster for those in a separate environment. You know, put your backup appliance servers in there and anything else that kind of runs your VMware infrastructure, mm-hmm. build a cluster just for that. And so that's that initial starting point for VMware Cloud Foundation. We build that management workload domain for all those components and run those in there. Then you need another cluster for running your applications, right? And so if you want to spin up another cluster, which we also, uh, another term that it's used for within Cloud Foundation is a workload domain. So if you want to create a virtual infrastructure workload domain for your business applications, then we can actually build a a virtual infrastructure workload domain that uses uh, NFS as a storage type at this point in time. So without vSAN, we can create a uh, workload domain without vSAN on it using NFS as the storage to uh, backend for that. Does that change anything in terms of licensure or pricing or anything like that? You don't have to buy vSAN? Right, you don't have to license vSAN. So the wizard within the SCDC manager, when you go to deploy, that workload domain only asks for the vCenter and the uh, NSX licensure. It does not ask for a vSAN license because you're not going to be using it. Interesting. Cool. All right. Okay, so... Here's kind of my biggest, you know, pushback question on this. And and you kind of addressed this in the last talk that I saw you give, Heath. Um, in general, you know, why does a business or, or someone really need this? Kind of because it's, it's kind of an overlay to a lot of existing products that, you know, even if you're in a small environment where you've got four hosts, it's not that hard to stand this stuff up on your own and just manage it as a standard, inter, you know, v, vSphere environment. So, you know, w- w- what kind of customers are coming in to get this thing? And, you know, w- where is, w- you know, where do you see this headed? Um, but ultimately, yeah, why, why are people, you know, interested in Cloud Foundation when they really could just do it themselves? So uh, our fearless leader, Mr. Pat Gelsinger, said it best at VMworld. Um, Cloud Foundation provides consistent infrastructure and consistent operations. And so the key word there, of course, that he repeated multiple times is consistency. So a lot of customers um, that Kevin and I have seen within the industry that are buying this have a lot of snowflake environments, right? So you go into their environment and they've got a cluster built one way and then they've got another cluster that's running a completely different version of VMware vSphere or vSAN. And they might have six or eight different vSphere environments. Um, In some of my VMworld presentations, I've actually brought up some customer data where there's um, more than 10 or 12 different versions of ESX running within a customer's environment. There's no consistency. Come on, that's... (laughs) That's crazy. No, I, and that's unbelievable. As a, as a TAM, that was 
pretty consistent. I'd see that a lot. Wow. Customers across the board have a real hard time managing environments. And so they, they build one for one project and then they buy another business application. And so they build another cluster or a whole nother environment. And uh, sometimes you'll have uh, shadow IT, right? Shadow IT has always been a problem where somebody else, I don't like you, so I'm going to go build this myself. And they go build their own VMware environment. Eventually, that gets absorbed by the IT department. Now you've got multiple single sign-on domains. There's all kinds of different paths that get to that point of multiple snowflake architectures in an environment, and there's no consistency anywhere. And so they have a hard time patching, upgrading, um, moving business applications between environments, backing them up. Um, there's no consistency. And so... At the uh, same time, VMware per, or this Cloud Foundation product provides a consistent build where this is where we started from. Kevin talked about a VMware validated design. So we start with that validated design that's created by VMware, and then we automate the installation of that. So that automation removes that human error and eliminates the snowflake problem. So we have uh, less, you know, customers with different, multiple different snowflakes. And then at the same time, um, what's real interesting to understand is when you take a look at uh, some of the products, we, the other products we sell for cloud, so public cloud, VMware cloud on AWS is based off of these same type of things. So uh, it's using its own type of VMware validated design. It uses the same core products, vSphere, vSAN, NSX, right? So you have the same consistent infrastructure in your private cloud as you do in the public cloud providers. So all, uh, VMware Cloud on AWS uses VMware Cloud Foundation. IBM uses Cloud Foundation when you buy public cloud services from them. Uh, Rackspace, there's uh, several different public cloud providers that are actually using VMware Cloud Foundation on their backend. So now, then, wasn't there, with the recent uh, AWS Outpost announcement, isn't there some special, there was something, uh, some other announcement surrounding Cloud Foundation in AWS that I thought was new? So there was something they called cloud foundation i forget the specific name of it do you remember the name of it kevin we had a lot of discussion about this one internally we had a lot of discussion because it has a very similar name yes to vmware cloud foundation and uh obviously there's uh brain oh, is it a whole other product yeah yes <laughs> yes so they were it was like uh it was yeah, I forget the specific name of it, but it was, yeah, AWS Outposts, and it had something to do with Cloud Foundation in the name. Um, it but it's not was, actually Cloud Foundation. No, well, it's there's a little bit of to be determined yet. We, we kind of, <laughs> it was brought up as here's the idea, right? Um, and so they kind of gave you a preview of what they uh, want this to be. Um, I, Internally, even Kevin and I don't really know exactly what this is. We're very highly segmented within VMware. We're a publicly traded company, so they segment us quite well. Yeah. Uh, Kevin and I barely know what's going on within other departments, and that's a lot of that has to do with uh, keeping things private. Right. Um, so think leak. Um, so we don't really know exactly what it is. We know it 
is not a specifically at this point a VMware Cloud Foundation private cloud product that has to do with the integrated systems business unit. Now, if you go back and anybody goes and watches Pat's uh, speech at VMworld, he says Cloud Foundation like 50 times, right? And he talks a lot about different things, uh, different products. And so there's we've run across this with customers and even internal SEs. Some get confused about Cloud Foundation. It gets used as a product name and it gets used as a noun. And the noun is really providing that base infrastructure of vSphere, vSAN, and NSX. So when people, when okay. sometimes we'll call things Cloud Foundation because it has those three core products. It's the foundation of a cloud, right? And then there's also VMware Cloud Foundation, the product, which is a SKU you can buy for your private cloud data center. To help That's not confusing, confusing at all. Yeah. No. Not like they've done that on any other product lines at all, have they? Well... I feel like Microsoft was really bad at this like 10 years ago. Like they were doing the same thing where they would have cross competing products that were similarly named and yeah. Fun times. All right. Well, I guess that takes my AWS question off the board because if you don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, we have our own theories, but we don't really know any more than what uh, I think Nate Hudson kind of dove into that question a little bit when you had the big panel right, right. A, a couple of episodes ago um, and his theories, I think were pretty valid from what, from what I saw. Um, this is a lot of it from just my reading between the lines of the blog post that described what this was, um, was this is a, if you go out to cloud.vmware.com, we have several different products out there. And there is a NSX-based one that's kind of an agent-based NSX for uh, cloud. And I think this has a lot to do with that specific product. Okay. So I think it is mostly a networking NSX-focused product at this point in time. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look for more information on that from the mothership as it becomes yeah. available, I guess. Um, all right. So this was when, when I saw your last talk, Heath, you know, I, uh, the question that initially popped up in my head and I had Tony write this down at the V mug and Kevin, if you want to chime in on this, feel free. Um, I, I'm wondering like everything, everything you talk about is, Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. This is so easy. That's so easy. Everything's so easy with cloud foundation. You know, it's not not that you're in marketing or anything. No, not um, at all. <laughs> and those playing along with buzzword bingo, easy <laughs> is one of the keywords tonight. Yes. <laughs> so I would like to know what are three things or a few things that are not necessarily easy to do with regard to Cloud Foundation? Uh, <laughs> you want to go with that one, Kevin? Wow. <laughs> Drop the bomb on you. I, I got an answer, but I'll, I'll let Kevin speak. I've been going for a while. So there, uh, there is very prescriptive uh, things that we can do and things that we cannot do, right? Or things that we don't necessarily provide guidance on. 
So let me just take a couple of these and most of them pertain to storage and brownfield ingestion. So commonly, uh, a couple of the issues that we see customers with is how do I adapt or how do I adopt Cloud Foundation and transfer my workloads from my legacy environment, right? Well, the classic way you do that is you join the same SSO domain and then move the workloads over. Obviously, we're deploying a brand new SSO domain. Right. Uh, so my, migrations can be uh, cantankerous, uh, we'll say. Uh, once you figure out uh, the proper way to do them, uh, there's Power CLI, uh, there's a VMware Fling for it, uh, there is HCX, which uh, Heath's discussion at, uh, at VMworld was about. Um, there's ways to get around it, uh, but obviously that's one of the um, migration strategies that you need to pick uh, and validate which one will work best for your environment. So that could be one point uh, that... So it's not necessarily you know, easy to migrate from your old to your new. Uh, we don't solve anything from a migration strategy perspective. Uh, the same thing goes as if you go and buy another organization. How do you get those workloads back uh, to the you know purchasing company, right? Um, so it's it's the classic migration issue, right? Um, however, with HCX, I think we've made great strides in making that easier, uh, but it's. I would say it's not click of the button and everything's moved. Um, so that's one point. Uh, another point is iSCSI or fiber channel storage, uh, bringing in some of that technical debt that the customer may already have today. Uh, iSCSI, we do have a white paper on uh, building out uh, or being able to use iSCSI with uh, Cloud Foundation not as a primary storage, but from a supplemental, or if you want to look at that as a swing storage option uh, for your migration strategy or move your backups over to iSCSI. Uh, those would all be great use cases for that. Uh, fiber channel, um, we don't support it. Um, at all? At all. Okay. Um, so if the customer does you know, try and install some fiber channel adapters uh, and go ahead and mount up their storage. And through the process, if Lifecycle Manager breaks that, um, that's something that we're not testing for today is what it comes down to. So uh, that, is one, uh, that is one thing that's probably a, a, a significant um, um, issue that we've heard about enough. Uh, Heath, did you have something other than those? So I'll, t I'll take a step back. So we have, we're on version 3.5 of Cloud Foundation, right? And so we had a previous version that was out for a while and that was in the 2.x era. And so customers may have heard of the 2.x version that Kevin was very heavily involved in deploying. Right. And so we've made major um, architectural changes from 2.x to 3.0. And so one of those specifically being we used to restrict um, control of the network, top of rack network infrastructure 
for Cloud Foundation. So we actually used to automate configuring the top rack switches and controlled every port in those top rack switches. That sounds like a plan to fail right there. Well, it worked quite well and we had a lot of customers adopt it, right? But we okay. also had a lot of pushback from other customers that wanted to adopt it, but didn't want VMware configuring Cisco switches or yeah, imagine you know, that switches or anything like that. So I will say, I will say that the 2.x version uh, was just magical, right? Yeah. Because you went in, you basically plugged in a couple power cables and a couple uh, network connections, and you had your own DNS zone. You weren't reliant upon the customer for anything but uh, what their uh, IP subnet that they wanted to use and their VLANs that they wanted to use were. And we could go in and stand up the entire rack. Uh, it was magical, but the <laughs> but the pushback on uh, f specific switches and or specific uh, network architecture was, uh, we heard it loud and clear. Right, right. I mean, we would do full bare metal install of both the network switches and the SXI hosts. So again, kind of starting from what we used to call it the VIA or the VMware Imaging Appliance, we changed the name to Cloud Builder now. Um, and so you stand up that appliance, and kind of give it the config and it would image and build everything from bare metals, topper X switches and ESXi was in the 2.x era from ground up. It was, it was magical. Wow. Um, what it did, you huh. literally power everything on when it told you to power them on and it would lay everything down and configure everything. It was amazing. Um, so now we're in the 3.x era. We stepped away from that. We, uh, the, th the first version of 3.0, we didn't do the bare metal ESXi installation we do support that now with cloud foundation 3.5 um and then at the same time we backed away from requiring the networking we don't automate networking at all and so going back to your original question what's the most difficult thing that customers have when installing cloud foundation it's getting that networking configured correctly for cloud foundation to work with it right we still need a, that trunking set up correctly, the top rack switches for egress out to the internet or to the north-south traffic. All that stuff needs to be set up. Um, and so that's because we don't automate that anymore. We're the customer that is going to still rely on their networking team when they say, yeah, I got the truck set up and it's working. And that's not always the case, right? We'll go yeah, ahead and deploy yeah. something with our automation and it flat out stops and they dig into it and they're like, oh yeah, we missed the gateway here or whatever. That um, is the VLAN wasn't added to one switch or something. I mean, it's, yeah. I think uh, it, it's a very high percentage of customer deployments right now are networking configuration failures. Typical so human blame the network guy. guy. Right. So it's, yeah, I, I love to blame the network guy. <laughs> Easy target. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, no, I will. Uh, I'll definitely echo that too, Heath. Uh, just in the you know few that I've uh, worked with in the last, uh, we'll say, ninety days, uh, most of them, almost all of them, have been networking related. Uh, you know, what ports do I have plugged in? Do I have my VLANs actually trunked over there? Um, did I plug in more than uh, a couple NICs? Uh, which one am I using? Right. Um, yep. Did I not plug it in on some hosts? Um, when you're expecting two NICs and uh, it doesn't have two NICs and it, we're running some of the uh, validations on them, uh, yeah, we can definitely see some issues there. So, 
So I've got a question. <clears throat> this is for either one of you um, surrounding lifecycle management and how that works. I know VRA has its own lifecycle management, uh, but is there anything that's dedicated to the VCF platform to help customers keep up the date on firmware and drivers, make sure that they're on, you know, using validated VMware certified drivers uh, and, and firmware, et cetera, for their environments. So when a new release comes up, how does that process work for a customer to get on that new release? Is it completely up to them? Is it a managed service through VMware? Do you guys white glove them? How does that work? You go. <laughs> and don't all jump in once here. Wait a second. I remember the tweet that I sent that was like, hey, if he's uh, all he's the, the hard, hard questions. questions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is BRS LCM and then there's LCM, right? So as you touched upon, their VRS LCM is the VRealize Suite Lifecycle Manager. Yep. Uh, we are a consumer of that at the end of the day, so I won't discuss that one in particular. Um, LCM or the original LCM, we'll say, uh, based in STDC Manager or the Software Defined Data Center Manager, which is uh, the core product of uh, VMware Cloud Foundation. So with Lifecycle Manager, uh, we do the core stack updates. So if you take a look and say, uh, sometimes once you have deployed quite a bit of the VMware stack, the life cycle of those products becomes kind of like trying to find a yellow brick road, right? Yeah, they're so have, all interdependent. Yeah, absolutely. And I will uh, admit myself, uh, I've updated a vCenter when the PSC wasn't updated, so I'm guilty, right? And uh, in general, we see the pain with customers as well. Uh, for example, you know some of the customers that I was working with, uh, they had tried to plan upgrades from 5.0 to 5.1, and then 5.5 came out. So then they started replanning the upgrade for 5.0 to 5.5, and then 6.0 comes out, right? Uh, they're in this uh, vicious cycle, we'll say, of always planning for an upgrade, but never able to do the upgrade uh, because something else has to be upgraded before they can um, upgrade something else, right? Trying to find that yellow brick road of, am I compatible across all versions uh, when it's compared to the hardware vendor as well as compared to the software vendor? So from a LCM perspective, what we update is uh, VC and PSCs. We okay. update the uh, ESXi hosts. We update vSAN, just the version of vSAN, and we also update NSX, and that includes any edges that you would have deployed uh, as well. Okay. So your point kind of focused more or less on drivers, firmware, vid, right. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is something that uh, we do not do today, right? Uh, because every hardware vendor uh, basically plugs into our HCL uh, or the VMware compatibility guide for vSAN. Uh, there's a great link for that uh, that basically can tell you exactly what version of firmware to have on a specific host. Um, and you know, as a 
as the storage and availability business unit expands, they're starting to take on some of that uh, patching of the firmware as it pertains to vSAN. Only calling that one out because I think that's the the uh, one that gets hit on the most. Uh, yeah, within vSAN, there's the configuration assist. And I was just curious if you guys have anything like that to help customers. Uh, yeah, so, so we stack. don't. Yeah, so we don't have anything uh, specific uh, like that for verifying the entire stack. Uh, we would lean on the configuration assistant for, um, you know, vSAN components, uh, but we do not do any of the patching of the firmware, bibs, et cetera, okay. um, unless it's included with the ESXi build itself. Gotcha. So it's not managed like, you know, a VxRail implementation where they take care of all the hardware and all that stuff. Right. That's yeah. So if you, were to, if you were to uh, purchase, you know, VxRack, and I think uh, um, you're maybe slated uh, to talk to those guys uh, in the future, but um, the way yeah, that... Aaron Bewley was begging to be on this episode. So. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. <laughs> That'd be fun. The, the way that they handle it, though, uh, they don't automate it. Uh, they automate it by um, having a guy do it, right? Um, so that, I guess there is automation uh, on that side of the house uh, with a, uh, a PSO engagement. Okay. Wait, so they, they send a guy? I think so. Really? Does, does he wear this outfit? He's, he's definitely not as cool as that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he really should. We should get hoodies and have him show up in that. And he's like, I'm here to automate the installation of your... That'd just be creepy. <laughs> he, he's going to stop doing this. You and I have both taken drinks at the exact same time twice now. Nice. And since we're wearing the same and shirt, it same looks shirt. like we're... Yeah. And the same headphones and your yeah. brother. Twinsies. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play Hollywood Squares where I like pass my drink over to Britain. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, hey, oh, yeah. Okay. I think we got, I sufficiently got us off track. Sorry about that. Um, Tony, did you have a follow up to that question or is that it? No, that's basically right. just my question. Yeah, well, and it will have Mr. Bewley on again in the future to talk more about this stuff, and you know he'll he'll give us the the four one one on the rack side. We talked more last time we talked to him. We talked more about the rail side. We didn't get into the VX rack so much, so mm-hmm. we'll have to uh, talk more about that. The that oh, that's the high dollar purchase product from them. But yeah, maybe that's a little bit more white glove. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Let's go back a little bit to one of your VMworld talks, Heath. So what is the, if, if this if this is its name anymore, I think we heard the last VMUG meeting that the name changed. So what is HCX or Hybrid Cloud Connect? Um, and what does that really do? Right. So the latest name edition for those following along in Buzzword Bingo. For this week? <laughs> yes. It is VMware HCX. So uh, oh, it so kind of started out as... Cloud Connect now. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was NSX Hybrid Connect uh, when it for, if you bought it for like an NS, through an NS, NSX SKU. Um, it was just HCX 
when you got it through VMware Cloud and AWS. So there was two different Im implementations of it, one being implemented through a public cloud provider, and the other installation is installing it for on-prem to on-prem installations. And so they wanted to give both of those uh, two different names uh, to differentiate uh, public versus private installation of the product. Um, but uh, the last I've seen and heard internally, and even I think on, on all the public facing pages now, it is now called VMware HCX. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, that product, um, like Kevin talked about lately, is our migration product. So um, there are some really cool demos. So VMware Cloud Foundation has its own um, YouTube page and Kevin and I, in tech marketing, uh, along with our tech marketing peers, have been busy recording demos of installing, configuring, and operating all these different parts that kind of go with VMware Cloud Foundation. And that's one of them. There's four videos uh, up uh, that show you how to install, uh, configure, and actually operate. Is there a specific so URL for that page? Uh, Kevin's going to dig it up right now. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, but uh, the, the, that product... Show notes. Yes. Oh, you, you don't have show notes? <laughs> Try. All right. Well, we'll put a URL on the screen right here. There. See, yeah. we're gonna make. We don't have make Britain either. Uh, we're gonna make Britain do some editing. <laughs> no, can't, can't, I, can't I just print it out and hold it? Yes, that would work. <laughs> Note cards. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so while Kevin's looking that up, so HCX is our migration product. So, um, to me, this was you know, I, when I installed this, I, I got in on it pretty early doing the on-prem to on-prem installation of it. So being able to migrate uh, virtual machine applications between two completely separate single sign-on domains sitting in the same data center or even in separate data centers, didn't really matter. But that's kind of the delineation is you've got some old legacy cloud and maybe you installed Cloud Foundation or something new and you're trying to migrate application VMs between the two because they're two completely separate single sign-on domains, it's difficult. There is an API um, to migrate stuff or to, to uh, do a PowerShell migration of things between separate single sign-on domains, but a lot of customers are GUI-driven, right? They don't want to touch PowerShell or command line interfaces. And so right. um, this is a GUI graphical application that you can install an appliance on two sides and go through a couple of configuration wizards. And it uh, creates a user interface within the vSphere client to migrate applications without downtime. So it'll automatically extend layer two networking from one site into another and be able to allow you to live migrate an application virtual machine between two sites without any downtime. So if, it, if your stuff is no longer connect, connected to and or configuring physical networking gear, how is it making those connections? Because so it's, I, I, let me preface this with a little bit okay. more. 
So I just went through uh, Veeam has a product called the Veeam Powered Network. It's a, an appliance designed to connect an on-premise data center to an Azure data center. But okay. you can also use it from, you know, a on-premise, you know, VMware-based infrastructure to another, you know, VMware infrastructure. And effectively, you yeah, you deploy this network hub appliance in one site. You deploy this gateway appliance in the other site. They create a tunnel, and then you do a little bit of routing changing on the routers on each side for the networks that you're creating. And then that actually is what allows traffic to flow between the two. But so it's not a completely you know hands off thing. You still have to do some some real networking to make it work. So. With this thing, and I kind of look at it as a similar type of an idea with what HCX does. So how does HCX make these connections happen if it's not connected to your network gear? So to, in order to do a layer two extension to allow for no downtime, one side needs NSX. The rest, the other side is going to use the uh, standard switch or distributed switch um, and create the configuration it needs but in order to extend layer two it's going to um, use vxlan to extend that legacy vlan into an nsx vxlan and so basically we're just doing bridging just like you would with nsx right so is it not is it not using the the layer two vpn functionality on the edge services gateway no it's not um, um, well, I'm trying to remember the, it's been a while since I've looked at that. It is using a layer two. Is it using the layer? Two? It's, it deploys an edge gateway. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Because yeah, because yeah, there's, there, that's the, that'd be the manual way you can do it in NSX. But it's also got some of its own, uh, wizard magic built into it. So I've kind of peered into the, you know, behind the curtain to kind of see how it works, watching how this thing builds itself out. So it actually create on top of that, it creates its own VPN tunnel between the two. So it's a highly secure uh, VPN tunnel going across these two environments so that all the traffic is encrypted. Um, it also can deploy a appliance. So if you're going to go across a WAN or LAN link or that's, that's uh needs uh, compression on it. So if you got something on a, a low speed link and you're trying to move it between two uh, far away uh, data centers, we can compress and dedupe that replication traffic as well. Okay. Um, and so it has, it creates its own uh, private VPN with between these appliances on both sides, but the layer two extension is using some of the uh, NSX edge appliance magic as well. So what it must be doing in some format or another, because on, on the standard NSX or vSphere edge services gateway, you can stand up what they call a layer two VPN, which effectively you have to create a distributed switch port group that's a trunk that allows all VLANs. Yes. Yes. And that, that connects to this layer two VPN interface. And then the only way you can use it on the remote side is if you have NSX on that side, you could stand up another edge services gateway and connect it manually that way, or they have what they call a standalone 
edge services gateway appliance that you can deploy in a remote site that doesn't have NSX. And I've tried to do that, never been successful at it because it's just a, so, it's such a huge pain to deploy. If 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 you actually watch this, and it's you can kind of slightly see bits of how it works, uh, just even by looking at the logs and trailing the the logs of how this thing stands up these private VPN tunnels between these appliances. Uh, and one of the other things you also see within the GUI as well is on each side, it creates a virtual ESXi host. So when you actually, yeah, it's really cool. Like a nested host. Kind of, yeah, kind of. It's a daemon. Or, okay. um, but it's actually running an ESXi kernel of, yes, I know. It's, it's Back devil, back. <laughs> really cool wizard magic. So you actually see the appliances. You. Right. <laughs> you actually see the appliances get stood up and configured on both sides. And when it does that, you'll actually see a standalone ESXi host that's not part of any of your clusters appear within vCenter on both sides. And when you migrate a virtual machine, it migrates from your legacy ESXi host to this virtual ESXi host and then goes across the VPN tunnel to the virtual ESXi host on the other side and then gets transferred in. All right, that's just weird. That's... I think the, we found our episode title. Right. That's the super awesome wizard magic Whoa. that is HCX. <laughs> super <laughs> awesome wizard magic. Super awesome. And there is out on the hands-on lab site, there is a lab for people interested in learning more about HCX. It's hol-1981-01-hbd on the labs.hol.vmware.com website. Yeah, it's totally... Long as, we're, long as we're plugging HOL, 1944 and 1946 are the Cloud Foundation Labs. Right. I was going to ask if you guys had any out there. I built them. Is that and the IBM Cloud Those are... Those are live labs, right, Kevin? Uh, 1946 is a live lab. You'll get uh, a lab just as if it was any other hands-on lab. Mm -hmm. uh, 1944 uh, may be in the catalog, though, uh, which is an iSIM-based lab. Um, it's 100% successful every time uh, because yes. the recorded demo, right? Uh, you nice. just hit the next button. But... Um, uh, both of those uh, are available. 1946 uh, sometimes does get pulled out of the catalog uh, because we are the largest lab in hands-on labs uh, by like 2x the next largest lab. Um, so due to, right now. Uh, due to sizing, uh, we may get pulled out or uh, whatnot, but 1944 is an exact copy uh, of what's in 1946. Um, one is available all the time. One may get pulled out. So interesting. Cool. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. We'll have to remember that when we talk to Andrew Hold. He's on my list for an episode this year. Andrew's one of the chief architects of the hands on labs. So. All right. We still need to get Doug Bayer on to talk hands on labs before VMworld. We get both him and Andrew on. Yeah. Um, and that was that was my follow. I, had, I knew I had a follow up question to HCX. So for th that as it's as a product itself, do you have to have Cloud Foundation to use HCX, or can you get it on its own? 
So like I said, there's two versions of HDX. So public cloud provider. So if you go out and buy VMware Cloud on AWS, it includes HDX. You just got to activate it and turn it on. Um, and that'll allow you to install. It's pre basically pre-installed within the VMware Cloud on AWS side. You have to kind of activate it, which starts spinning up some appliances and using starts using resources in that public cloud space. Um, it's already slightly configured on that side. And then it gives you a link to download the appliance to install it on your private data center side. And you, so that allows you to do easy migrations from your private data center into VMware Cloud on AWS. Um, I believe there are other public cloud providers outside of VMware Cloud on AWS that have that feature as well. I think IBM has it now, if I'm not mistaken. And then... The other version is on-prem to on-prem and where you have to install and configure the appliances on both of your private data center installations. But you can buy it kind of a standalone application for that. Yes. So you can, uh, you can go out to cloud.vmware.com and purchase the HCX. So the one requirement of it is, is that one side of the, uh, HCX, uh, either the, uh, the destination generally uh, would have NSX uh, deployed in it. Right. So that is a requirement either way, uh, but that uh, basically opens the door to any uh, deployment. Um, obviously, Cloud Foundation is just our um, preferred landing place for that. So when you're doing these, these extensions, do this, the IP subnets themselves get extended? Like, do IP addresses of the machines have to stay the same, or do the, can they change? No, if you're doing layer two extension, you don't have to change anything. Um, the gateway stays where it is on that subnet, um, and you can live migrate the VM from one side to the other. The IP, the gateway, everything stays the same. Um, it has the ability within it to do... Um, so say you move everything, you're like going, I'm done with this data center and you're migrating the entire subnet, right? Mm -hmm. So you move all the application VMs in that subnet to another destination. Now the gateway is still over here on the old side, right? They actually have within the interface, move the gateway. And so then that'll configure that NSX edge to be the gateway and it'll kind of help you move that um, gateway automatically. At the same time, they have built into it uh, proximity routing. So say you're moving right. multiple subnets, right? And so two VMs in two different subnets are talking to each other. You move them from private cloud to public cloud. Well, instead of having that traffic hairpin from public cloud down to the private cloud because it that's where the subnet gateway is, right? And then back mm -hmm. up again to the public cloud provider. Uh, that would be a disaster. Well, because it's NSX, it knows where each of these VMs are, and it's smart because it's keeping track of those MAC IDs and all that. So it has the ability to route that traffic locally between those two subnets on that side, and so we're not hairpinning traffic anymore. Yeah, that's that's just an, an, a, a well used NSX feature, right? Kind of turns on. Yeah. Yep. 
So then uh, one other feature that it's got built into that, we don't talk too much about it within Cloud Foundation. We highlighted a little, I have one video on it, is it can do disaster recovery. So some of the replication traffic, so how it replicates a, a VM from one side to the other on the back end is it's using vSphere replication, right? So it's using the VMware vSphere API for vSphere replication to actually replicate this VM from one side to another, and then it just does a stun and demotions it from one side to the other. So it can do disaster recovery. So, so not only are you stealing data storage management jobs, networking jobs with NSX <laughs> configuration, now you're stealing disaster recovery jobs from good paying... Um, <laughs> what, what's the VMware product for that? SRM. SRM. Huh. Now you're stealing SRM customers. I mean, uh, you know, you guys are you guys are you know eat, eating yourself at this point. <laughs> we give a lot of options. We give you much. You know, we're like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 flavors to do the same thing. <laughs> but if you go into the store, there's actually 68, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, it does disaster recovery. So there's actually a tab within the HCX interface to actually say, uh, do uh, uh, replicate this VM to the other side. And in case of a disaster, fail it over. Super simple I, interface. I was, I was going to queue up the sound effect from uh, South Park with the guy saying, they took your job. <laughs> <laughs> automation it's gonna kill us all tony yes the little guys at least yeah the guys that don't have the staff to do it all right so the youtube link just for uh, your audience so that you can put this on the lower third because you're not gonna <laughs> is youtube.com uh and then the channel it's vmware cloud foundation all one word so that's how you find vmware cloud foundation youtube channel to check out some of these demos I also uh, tweeted it out, and if you want to CC that on, on there, so yeah, that that that, that the uh, that should become our official show notes is basically the at v -Giga, just tag at vgigacast and everything. Um, that's people oh, have yeah. done that before for us. All right, Tony, do you have a question? Uh, let me go back here. I feel like I've been talking too uh, we, much again. We kind of already touched on this, but yeah, the next question is just day-to-day -day management. So how is that any different than traditional vSphere? I'll leave off the second part of that because we already touched on that. But what's the day-to-day, day-two operations of a uh, VCF cluster? What does that look like? Define uh, what day-two operation, right? Uh, depending upon which day-two operation it is, uh, some of those things you want to do through SDDC Manager. For example, if you want to add a cluster or if you want to add a host or remove a host, you would do that through SDDC Manager. If you want to set up policies, uh, network I.O. control, uh, configure NSX, you're going to go directly to either vCenter or NSX Manager uh, to configure those things. And, um, hmm. Really have to pick and choose uh, which which topic it is so okay so that that brings up an interesting point so you can't do just create a 
a new cluster or create a VM within vCenter like you traditionally would if you have VCF. Correct. Uh, the reason for that is is that we need to have uh, inventory of that into our database from a lifecycle management perspective. So uh, one of the things that he's touched on earlier is that consistency, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with lifecycle management, we can confirm that everything is consistent uh, version for version across all your hosts in a cluster or all your hosts in a workload domain if you have multi-clusters set up uh, in that workload domain. Uh, so we're patching all entities uh, from that aspect. Uh, so there is a consistency portion there uh, that, you know, nine times out of ten, uh, I will say that consistency probably uh, is the first issue when it comes to a problem coming up in your environment. Yep. Uh, so uh, being able to provide that consistent infrastructure uh, will definitely help mitigate some of those other day two operations, such as creating a support ticket. <laughs> nice tie in there. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Do you guys have on either your YouTube channel or in that um, hands-on lab 1946 you mentioned earlier, is there a walkthrough of creating some of those pieces inside that lab? Or Yep, absolutely. So 1946 uh, goes through the interface. Uh, we also talk about doing a workload domain deletion. So deleting a workload domain or deleting a cluster. Now, this is a pretty significant operation because you have to delete your vCenter, you have to delete an NSX manager, uh, three NSX controllers, uh, clean all those up, also clean up your vSAN data stores, et cetera, right? So there's a lot of uh, complexity that goes into cleaning, cleaning up a cluster um, or cleaning up a vCenter uh, when you're deployed in a um, uh, enhanced uh, uh, linked mode, right? So all of those things are completed in that operation. Uh, then we take those hosts that were in that workload domain uh, and uh, do a add host operation. So increase our management workload domain from three hosts uh, to four hosts uh, in the hands-on lab. Uh, then we actually create another cluster uh, using three additional hosts. Um, the other thing that we do is certificate rotation. Uh, so if anybody's uh, spent some time in, in uh, VMware environments, they know that replacing certificates is, you know, you don't do it frequently enough. To or you just don't do it at all. Absolutely. So <laughs> you don't do it frequently enough, so you have to look up the instructions, and then there goes that week's worth of work. Um, yeah, you just, just forget about it otherwise, yeah. So we do a uh, walkthrough of that and show how you can replace the uh, NSX manager certificate in approximately, I think it's about seven minutes. Um, and that's, you know, creating the key gen and everything. Um, uh, and that's available for users to walk through. Um, so. Interesting. I think that um, going through that lab will help understand a lot more of how the backend processes work, what the interfaces look like, what all you can do. I think that's something I'm definitely going to check out. Right. Yeah. So there, like you mentioned, Tony, too, there's there's a video of certificate management, just like Kevin was describing on, on the YouTube channel. Um, okay. One of the coolest features we have out there by far, if you ever tried to do it manually. Um, 
Another one I'll add to that is password management. So um, if you've been an admin at a large environment where you've got multiple admins and one of them quits, well, then it's time to change all the passwords across the entire environment, right? Yeah. And that's, a, that's just a great day that everybody looks forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so built, built in... Yeah. Built in the Cloud Foundation, we have password management. Um, so we can actually rotate the passwords. And it, when we use the term rotate, that means we're uh, Cloud Foundation, the STDC manager is going to automatically pick a random 15 character password and apply that to uh, all the different components that Cloud Foundation controls. So all the SXI hosts, the PSCs, the vCenter, all those different components, and we'll rotate all the passwords, and it's literally just a couple clicks. It's the really nice and easy. I mean, and at the same time, if you want to actually uh, type in your own password, we can do that as well. So you can you mean you can automate me forgetting that my vCenter password expires every 90 days if I forgot to turn that off? Um, I don't know that we're going to tell you that it's expiring, but we're making it easy to, okay. for you to change the password from that single pane of glass. Oh, you said it again. I said it again. I, I don't know how many times in a lab or wherever I've just let the vCenter password expire and not been able to get back in. And I just have to blow away vCenter and start all over. Well, there's, there's a recovery process that I've gone through a couple of times that, that does work. Um, yeah, on, on the older versions, it wasn't so great. But. Yeah, the newer ones, it works. But yeah, I somehow when I'm blowing up, especially a quick nested lab just to test something and then I, I, you know, power it down or leave it run and forget about it. And then I come back to later to do something. And, and I had a lot of work in that lab. It's like, dang it, I forgot the checkbox. Yeah. All right. So last one of the last questions we have here, um, who is the SDDC commander? <laughs> I, I wish I knew. I, I say that with a straight face. Come on. Come on. We all know. Like Kevin, do you, do you know who it is? Whoever that guy is, he needs a job here. Or he does. he does have a job here, he needs to be known as to who he is. Or yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like, tweeting over christmas and everything it was ridiculous i i was off the clock on christmas i don't know but i think kevin was too i was up north with yeah. no cell signal either one of you are very convincing sorry i can't help you there uh, it's called <laughs> scheduling tweets boys yeah. yeah so well what i think would be really fun to happen with that is if you get if you could actually get that bodysuit made and then just, you know, have pictures of the guy walking around the VMware campus, kind of like the Stig. <laughs> <laughs> Some say. So I just noticed, Tony and Britton, you both have the same exact poster right above your head. Yeah. 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 Oh. It's, it's from our trip that we, we went to Italy we, together. We bought yeah. them at the exact same store. Yeah, the Ferrari store in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> Only still, he still has his tube that it came in behind him. I don't. Uh, so I think I do. Yeah. Uh, let's. Do you guys have your iPhone cases right there handy? No, I don't. Uh, I have mine handy. Oh, see, yeah, look at that. My Ferrari case from Dubai that Heath brought back for me. There it is. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't have mine. Sorry. 
you bought a phone that you can't I even know. use it with. <laughs> <laughs> you went and got the iPhone XR. I got, instead, I bought the uh, <laughs> the Ferrari Red 10R. But you know, oh, that's yeah, fine. It was cheaper, so that's why. Just can't stomach it. Nice. All right. Anyhow. Any parting thoughts, gentlemen? There's uh, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Okay. So for Cloud Foundation. Um, so you we, just had this 3.5 release, what, January, December, pretty December recently? December 13th, I think, 17th, something like that. Yeah, uh, it, was it was early December. But uh, the next six months is going to be bananas. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. We got some... I, I, I love working at VMware and mind blown every day. Yeah. Um, cool stuff coming. So keep your eyes out, keep an eye on the YouTube channel. Um, lots of stuff coming. I'm working on trying to get this. I posted this in the V expert chat. I'm trying to get this in the hands of the experts. We've got some uh, internal licensing issues with it right now. Um, but I would love to get this product in the hands of the experts to install in their hands-on labs themselves uh, and see some blogs coming out about, you know, what their experience is with it within their labs. Um, is it part of VMUG Advantage yet or not? It no. is not. So that's all just kind of some stuff I'm trying to figure out that path and how do we get that uh, done. I'd like to see it there myself personally, but I got to try and find the right people people to talk to and get management buy-in and we've also got some technical issues with the product with licensure right now that are kind of restricting that so mm. once uh once we get those resolved uh, i'm working on it it's one of those things i'd love i want i want the experts to be able to get hands on it and even potentially vmug advantage if we can do it so and i would think that you're gonna have to have some way to scale it down right for people to be able to deploy it in their home labs because you're you're saying four host minimum for a management cluster right yeah uh, that part that part we, I think, have uh, sufficiently handled at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's just a matter of uh, getting the license out to, to folks to be able to utilize it. Right. right now, if they go into their vExpert portal and look at their keys, they, they don't have a key for it, so therefore they can't download it, right? Um, so until uh, that uh, can be resolved, um, I guess mum's a word on how we can make that happen for him, but uh, details coming soon. So, right. Qu qu quickly, if you can, what are the RAM requirements for the SDDC manager appliance part of it? You know, I don't know off the top of my head. 16 gig. I think, I it's think, it, I think it's a four by 16 by default. Is it? Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was too bad. Cause that, cause that was always the problem with Virgilis network insight is it required like 32 gigabytes just for one machine. Yeah, that is a good question. Everything that I have access to uh, at my fingertips here is uh, all uh, nested deployed uh, VCF yeah. where the size may have already been That's compacted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I deleted it while we were uh, working right. there. To... You can tweet back at that later when you find right. it. But... Okay. but yeah, also I'll, I'll add if uh, you're a VMware partner, uh, reach out to Kevin and I, and we might be able to help you get this installed in your partner lab environment. Um, we've got some tools that we can hand out to partners at this point in time. Mm, uh, but, I, I believe 
just as part of my partner keys, I have access to it. So okay. they should, anybody who's just a professional, part, you know, solutions provider partner should already have access to it in their my VMware, because um, I see it in there in mine. Yeah. So if you're a partner and you've got access to the bits and you want to try this in your personal lab, um, reach out to Kevin and I on Twitter and we can get you a link to some special tools to help you install this in your lab. Yes, please. Hey, bro, hook me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all you got to say, Brett. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and for uh, the record, I've never given Britain anything. Yeah, no. So that's why I'm going to talk to Kevin because he's right around the corner from me. There you go. <laughs> Let's play the Hollywood Squares thing where I hand you my water. <laughs> so, yeah, look at that. Oh. Hey, Britain, we have the same water bottle. We can do it. Here you go, Tony. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it didn't quite work, but whatever. Well, it's, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nerdy fun on a Sunday night, guys. Yes. All right. Well, uh, shall we end it there? Tony, do you have uh, anything else to add? Questions, concerns? I think we're good. I thought this would be much more contentious and argumentative, but oh well. I mean, we can bring that up, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, we could also spend a whole nother episode on uh, VVD. We, we really only touched cloud foundation yeah yeah we we've we, we've talked briefly here and there about vmware validated designs um i assume that's what you meant yeah um, exactly yeah. and but, for that one um you know may, we should get um ryan johnson on i don't know if you guys know ryan johnson 10 30 a.m 10 30 a.m on twitter okay. um he's part of the vmware validated designs architecture team and goes yeah. into that quite deeply. So um, you put that one on your list for future uh, podcasts. He'd be a, a good one to have on. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Um, let's wrap it up. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Heath. Tony, thank you as always. Um, yep. thanks, thanks for having us. Let me get us ready to go here. Hey, you don't have to mail his guest gift this time. You can just drop it off. I'm I'm all out. I got to get some new. I'm, get, I'm getting. I I established contact with the people who were gonna make me some t-shirts. So so that's the next form of thank you swag that nice. will be coming to guests. Um, no longer the no illustrious longer the cheese, cheese coaster. coasters, which is funny that both Al and Tony, who were in the last episode, both of them took it as though it was a Packers thing. And it's really not. It's a Wisconsin <laughs> it's, thing. Right. It's not a slam to their football teams, but that's how they took it. <laughs> they both thought, said they liked it. They posted pictures of them using them, though. I know, but they both they both added on there, you know, like Al said, you know, Dub Bears. <laughs> and we dumb boys yeah so, so it's like no i wasn't trying to slam your football team of choice it's just you know we're in wisconsin and we like cheese so on that note thanks everybody and uh let me play us out
been GigaCast episode 25 for Sunday, January 6th, 2019. Thanks to Kevin T. Bear and at Heath Barjay, Heath Johnson. Kevin is at KT Bear. Um, next time we are going to try and get a bonus episode done in G- January here. Um, we're trying to see if we can line that up with a very special guest who is going to remain unnamed at this point, but... If we can get it to happen end of the month, we're going to do it. Um, Other than that, I'm trying to book February with the uh, VMware NSX marketing team, uh, Amy Amy Lewis and Katie Holmes from the NSX marketing team. Um, And then March, we've got a special guest coming for security talk. And April, Mr. Chris Williams is coming back to blow our minds about AWS. So full first quarter lots of stuff happening keep listening keep sharing and hopefully next time we'll have the live stream working talk to you later